Welcome to the Voice of Many podcast with Vanessa and Yolanda. We're glad to have you. And our guest today is a clinical psychologist in a private practice in Terrytown, New York, and a medical health educator at the Manhattan School of Music. He specializes in psychology of artists and everyday creativity and the professional development of therapists. He contributes, his contributions um, have appeared in numerous areas from the Chicago Tribune, New York Times, NPR, Salon.com, and TED at Stage. Welcome to our podcast show, Michael Alec. How are you doing? Oh, it's nice to be here. Hello, everybody. It's a pleasure to have you. And today we have the pleasure of speaking with you on introvert, introverts. I know I'm not saying it right, but I know you're going to correct me. We'll get and there together. Highly, no highly and highly um, sensitive people, which I really want to know more about. So yeah. can you just define the terms of each for us? Yeah. So, you know, we, we tend to think in our culture a lot about extroverts. Um, and extroverts are people who like to get their energy from people, from being outside with people and being in larger groups. I like to think of them as the gas-powered cars of our mm -hmm. culture. If you're an extrovert, you can find a gas station around any corner. But introverts tend to be more reserved. They like to regroup by being by themselves or speaking one-on-one -on -one or walking in nature or reading. And they're like the electric-powered cars of the world. And then there are those of us who are like me, an introverted extrovert or an ambivert, and ambiverts are the hybrids. So you'll, you'll, as you get to know me, Yolanda, you'll see that I'll like to talk with people in a group setting, but then I'll need an hour of downtime to read and mm. play piano and do something on my own. And then I'm okay, because I have a little bit of social and a little bit of introverted time. So ambiverts are those who need a little bit of both. We don't talk about them as much, even though they're quite a large percentage out there. Wow. And then the highly sensitive people, we could talk about them um, <laughs> as well. They're an interesting set of creatures um, of which I'm as well. And highly sensitive people is about 10% of the American population are people who are temperamentally, they just pick up a lot. They pick up sometimes sound, light, they pick up energy. These are the kinds of people who can sense an energy very quickly in a room. And as a result, they're very sensitized. And so they can get drained and overwhelmed rather quickly and overstimulated. It's like, you know, that old Snickers commercial where someone gets hangry because they haven't had something to eat. Yeah. That's, that's that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm guilty of that too. You can ask my wife. So for those of us who are very sensitive or introverted or ambivert, we sometimes can get overstimulated. And when we do, we get crabby and we get cranky mm. unless we know what we need. Mm. And so one of the reasons why I talk about this as a psychologist is that we don't often talk about what we need in terms of energy. We know it for our cars, but we don't know it for ourselves. That's very true. Very true. That's a good point. I didn't know that. So how do um, introverts, extroverts, and the mixture between the two and sensitive people all work? What makes them tick? 
Yeah, I mean, there's an old joke that I once heard Susan Cain, the writer of Quiet, say, and she said, if you like spend a half an hour at a party and want to go home, you're likely an introvert. If you spend about two hours, you're likely an ambivert. If it's like five or six hours or more, you're probably an extrovert. And so it's all about finding your sweet spot of stimulation, sweet spot of energy output. And introverts, like you said, they need time to make sure they're getting enough alone time, quiet time, Mm. not lonely time, because solitude is enjoyable for someone who's introverted, just as someone who is secure in themselves can enjoy being with themselves. They enjoy steeping in the world of the imagination. You know, that's why they like like reading, they like culture. Um, Ambiverts like that too. But, you know, if you don't give an ambivert enough socializing time, they can also get crabby. Right. So I used to have, when I was in college, I had a very introverted roommate. He could spend the whole weekend reading fantasy books the whole weekend without talking to a soul and he'd be happy as a clam. Now I could enjoy it for an hour or two or three, and then I would drag him to a party and then I'd have enough of my balance. And then I'd get tired from being at the party and I'd come back. Right. So it's really important to know which type you are so that you can figure out how to regulate yourself better. Because when people don't regulate themselves, sometimes when they get overstimulated, not only do they get moody, but oftentimes people get anxious or depressed or Mm -hmm. feel disconnected. And they think that that's the reason, oh, I must have anxiety or I must be depressed. But it might not be. It might just be that they're not recharged or replenished, or they might be just overloaded. And I guess, too, COVID didn't help that at all because more of it came out with us not knowing what was really going on. And then we didn't know how to cope with the method of being confined in homes and not being able to get out. And there was so much chaos, the unknown friction going on that it really made the situation even worse. It was really, you're right, Yolanda, it's really important. It's really, really challenging to figure out what's the right balance with COVID because you know, it could feel like a vacation a little bit for a while, but then you, you miss people. Yeah. yeah. Even if, even if you're an introvert, introverts got lonely over this pandemic, right? Right. Extroverts also went crazy. My wife, my wife as an extrovert and she said, you don't know how hard it's been for me. (laughs) (laughs) And, and it's true. And I saw the difference as things started to shift over the past six months when I have a little boy and he's gone back to school and we get to see the parents and we get to communicate. It's like a flower that has water again, you know, Mm -hmm. seeing these extroverts didn't have the nourishment that they needed. And then of course you take away our normal routines and structures Mm -hmm. and we all don't know what's up and what's down. So I think this has been a sort of strange experiment for all of us to figure out what is the right balance for you. And also that, that balance, like, The cool thing about being a psychologist is that we're basically, as human beings, sophisticated emotion regulation machines. We're always trying to figure out what is the right equilibrium for that. You know what the problem is, though? It's always changing. It's true. Sometimes sometimes we need this. Sometimes we need that. Yeah. And it's it sucks when our partner, you know, we get upset at our partner because they don't get it because sometimes we don't get it, you know, or we get angry at our partner or friend because we're confused as to why they're not regulating in the same way that we are. And I think COVID really made us have to look at, you know, COVID hit everybody differently, even though Mm -hmm. it hit us all the same. Yeah. 
And I just want to throw out there, you know, we're talking about us as humans, but those of us that have pets at home, I mean, they were so attached to us emotionally being at home. Then whenever (laughs) we had to go back to work, it was like they really went through anxiety, you know, that separation anxiety really hard. So, yeah. And they, and they probably are always like, this is the best thing in the world. Yeah. My owner is home like 24 seven. Yes. This is fantastic. Yes. My bladder is not hurting. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, it just changed. I mean, it's like. I can yeah. play whenever I want. Yes. yes. Leave me alone. I need to rest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so true. So I also want to ask you now, what do we really need to just thrive? How do we get going in those different levels? Yeah, you know, it's, you know, we talk a lot in, in psychology about what our nurture is, like how we've been raised or like what things have helped us kind of over the years, but we really forget about our nature. Mm-hmm. And you know, how like, we know our nature, you know, it's like, do you like chocolate ice cream? Do you like vanilla? Like you, you don't have to, you don't have to think it's just sort of something that is. Yeah, no. And it's really important for us to, to really be genuine and compassionate, but also honest with ourselves it's about how do I work? Mm-hmm. And to recognize almost if you want to use another analogy, it's like, what instrument are you? Are you a cello? Are you a trumpet? And sometimes we try to force ourselves to be something that we're not. And that really does us and the world a disservice. Because if you're a cello, be a cello. It's beautiful, right? If you're a trumpet, be a trumpet. But you also got to tend to your instrument and know what your instrument is. So I think it's really, really important to notice what are the signals, right? Mm-hmm. I used to, I didn't know initially that I was an introverted extrovert. I knew I liked being with people, but I also knew that I liked being one-on-one and, and really having deep conversations and having some alone time. But I certainly didn't think of myself as an introvert, right? Hmm. And so it took trying to figure out, wait, I'm a little bit of this and a little bit of that. How do I work? And so I really think it's important almost to think of ourselves, each of us as like a distinctive instrument that we have to discover. But we also have to recognize what the feedback is that we get from the world. And we, and hopefully from the people who really know us and love us, who can say, this is who mm-hmm. you are. Right. And that's what also helps encourage us because we need parents and teachers and best friends and significant others to see the gold in us. Wow. That's, that's great. Right? That's right. It's really good. It's really good. <laughs> and then, and then, and then we just want to share that music with the world then, mm-hmm. right? And it doesn't matter what genre you, you are, right? right? Whether you're pop or, you know, whether you're jazz or country or rap or hip hop or whatever. Like, I think, and that's what I like, you know, when I like watching The Voice, I like how like Alicia Keys or, or any of these artists like uh, Ariana Grande, when they work with the artists, they're like, I want to help you figure out what your voice is. And I want to get you to expand to other genres to help you expand your repertoire but I still want you to be what's right for you. And what's right for you is what's right for the world. Right. Yes, be happy. Right? Because yeah. a lot yeah. of things in our life and in the world 
trying to make us um, conform to everything else and not be ourselves. Mm-hmm. So if finding ourselves and getting enough um, personal power to find ourselves is a challenge in itself. And people have got to want to, you know, be comfortable in your own skin. And that takes a while. It does. Carl Jung, the great psychologist, once sort of said that sort of the goal of, of, of maturing and wisdom is to become yourself again. Mm-hmm. Again, because you start as who you are, but we forget. And we need to remind ourselves and we need to be around the people who can remember us and who can see us in our true authenticity. Right. And, and they help us to nurture and support and cultivate that more fully. And that's why it is important to know, are you someone who's highly sensitive? Are you somebody who's an introverted or an introverted? Or are you an extrovert? And that's wonderful too. There's an, there was an old, I once met somebody who, who had known Bill Clinton and had worked with him in some capacity. And she said to me, Mike, Bill Clinton was such an extrovert, you couldn't get him out of a room because he wanted to talk to everybody. And he couldn't stop talking because he loved the energy of talking and going back and forth with people, right? Now, that's great. He knew who he was and he knew what really worked for him, mm-hmm. right? So it's also important to find the right match of the environment for you. So if you're an extrovert, you shouldn't be an accountant, right? Mm. And if, if you're an introvert, you shouldn't be a traveling salesman, right? Like, right. or maybe, but, or maybe you, you shouldn't be like a, a somebody who is going to be a campaigning as a politician if you're a big time introvert. Although Barack Obama was a damn good campaigner as an introvert, or interestingly enough. There are some people, like people think that introverts are, have to be shy, but they don't necessarily have to be shy. It's just where they get their energy from. It's true. So, right. And you can hear that with Barack Obama. You notice how many times he would have that long pause where you can hear him thinking out <laughs> everything that he was going to say. Because introverts yeah. are deliberate. They think. They reflect. It's good. We'll be more observant of that. That's for sure. <laughs> it's very sure. Very sure. <laughs> okay. Can you please tell us more about your new book and when is it scheduled to come out? Oh, I've forgotten about that. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm delighted. I have this wonderful book that's, it's really out there for therapists. Um, it's called Therapeutic Improvisation, uh, how to stop winging it and own it as a therapist. It's coming out in May and it's coming out with Norton. And it's really a love letter to this field of therapy and how it is all about helping our clients and our patients find their voice and develop their voice just as I'm talking about. But in order to do that, therapists ourselves need to find our voices. And we need to help lift up others to find their voices and to witness their voices and to collect all the different facets of self, right? Because Mm -hmm. the ironic part about being a self is that the poets say, we are not one, we are many. There are many selves inside of us. And our job is to make sure we get all of them at the table, having a conversation and collaborating and becoming creative. We don't want any side of ourselves marginalized, right? We really, and and I think that goes the same thing. And one of the things that I think is so beautiful about it is that when we do that work psychologically, individually, we also do it collectively. 
we talk about celebrating inner diversity and we celebrate outer diversity and we celebrate this sense of we want to bring all these sides to have a real creative collaboration. And I think that really, really makes it really powerful and creative. And I think that's what like that, that beautiful sense of joy when you can really share with another human being on a deep level. It doesn't feel like you have to hide or hold back any parts of yourself. You know, when you feel really close to somebody and you can mm -hmm. feel like you can let, let yourself be there in any which way that you need to be. Yeah. And I think if we could do that as therapists, to feel comfortable with that, we can help others to do that. And I think in some ways, we can heal the world a little bit. Because that's the most important part for a relationship is being yourself. Yeah. You've got to be yourself that's, that's, regardless. That, that is, is the sort of divine thing, right? Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful thing to be yourself from that sort of divine spark. And, and why would we cover over that divine spark? Right? Yeah. So true. This is- So you didn't, you didn't know I was gonna be preaching a little bit, did you? No, but you're, this is great because, you know, <laughs> I've always, you know, wondered about psychologists because you have to wear so many hats and you're constantly being dumped on, dumped on. Yeah. That wear- I've always wondered, how do you wind down? You know, yeah. how do you release that? You know, how do you be able to compartmentalize everything that you've taken in that day and not bring it home? You know, you know what I've heard. Yeah, go ahead. Do, I was going to say that I've heard from some psychologists and therapists that they end up having to have their own to dump all of their information on as well. Is that really true that you guys have to sometimes dump on someone else too? Sure. I mean, the, the combination is that, you know, as you get to know this work more, you are able to transform it from dumping it to almost like, you know, how like a good actor is able to get into their character, but bring something of their personal life so that it's not just the character. And so there's mm -hmm. a finding a way of connecting to something that really moves you mm -hmm. but also there's a way in which when you have a genuine moment with something something transforms and it becomes creative and so it no longer feels like someone is just dumping or venting it feels like oh you felt witnessed and seen and now another side surprises us together yeah. and there's like a magic that happens that actually is energizing but in the beginning of being a therapist, it's tricky. And like you said, Vanessa, we need somebody to not only go to sometimes vent to, but also to figure out how to process and digest mm -hmm. the different things that we're hearing. And that's why one of the greatest um, things about going to therapy is to learn how we work from the inside out. Because the more we can be in touch with our many selves, the more we can learn how to companion them and be interested and curious about them, the more we find it fascinating to talk to anybody and everybody about anything. Yeah. And that no longer becomes, and you know the difference between, Vanessa, have you ever had the experience when someone was just dumping on you and you feel like you could just mm -hmm. put, a, you could just put somebody time. in the room to take their place? <laughs> All see, the time. See, what a good therapist does is like a good musician is like, we're listening to try and figure out like, hey, did I catch your melody? And let me play it mm -hmm. back to you and let me vary it a little bit. And now let's play it back and forth like jazz. 
that no longer feels like dumping. That feels like we're playing together. So the goal of actual therapy rather than, right, sometimes we just complain to a friend and, you know, maybe they'll either give us advice or they'll give us some sympathy or maybe they'll just let us say it because they know, oh, she's going to go on and on again about this guy, isn't she? Right. And you're like, oh, just let her go. But the difference with a therapist who is trying to work is just trying to say, okay, I hear you. I want to reflect it back, but I want to see if we can do something with this. Either think about it in a new way, feel something that's not fully expressed or what we can work with it. And that becomes transformative. And that doesn't feel heavy. That doesn't feel demoralizing. Because when we talk about something real, it, doesn't, it never feels demoralizing. Right. right. Notice when you watch a good movie and there's a real emotion, you don't feel like, oh, man, that was so sad. I feel terrible. It feels like that was so honest. Yeah. And when we get to that level, we almost feel like we're getting closer to our fellow human beings. Right. Mm. That is awesome. That's awesome. Well, you guys asked some good yeah. questions. I'll tell you that. No, you're, you're a great guest. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you so much. My pleasure. Mm, Enjoyed it. It's been an honor, and you actually make me want to reconsider possibly going back to school for being a therapist or a psychologist. I had thought about it. It's a very rewarding field. It has its challenges, but it also allows you to enjoy this beautiful condition of being human even more fully. And I think it would be there'd be no other podcast that would be more appropriate to talk about therapy than a mother daughter podcast. <laughs> so I want to thank you both for showcasing how cool a mother daughter team can be. Oh, so. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you're, you're great. You're great. It's been a lot of fun. You know, I was telling Vanessa, I said, before we even start, I said, this is going to be fun. This is really going to be fun. And it's, it's been a pleasure, Michael. It really has. It's been a pleasure too. I love the riffing with you guys. And you know what you showed? I love what you showed the audience what therapy could be. Therapy is about when you ask questions together to invite someone to expand and that you discover together. Yeah, that's true. You're more than welcome to come back anytime. Anytime, I'd love to. My pleasure. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, I enjoy this immensely. Keep on keeping on, as they say, and keep me posted. And when you start looking into schools, you let me know, Vanessa. <laughs> and you have any, any questions, just, just give, me a, give me an email. Shoot me a line. Okay. I will be so. Okay. And to our watchers and listeners, please follow us on our social media outlets. And please don't forget to click and subscribe to our channel. And if you... Sorry. And if you miss anything or if you guys need any information about Michael and his new book, please look forward to the information that we will have coming out. And we thank you for tuning in. Thank you, everyone.